This is The Torchbearers, an all-new podcast from the First Generation Students' Union at the University of British Columbia. My name is Alec Christensen, and each episode we will be hearing from first-generation and low-income UBC students, staff, and faculty about their experiences through university and both the barriers and the triumphs they face along the way. Before we begin, we want to acknowledge that The Torchbearers is recorded and produced on the ancestral, traditional, and unceded territories of the Hunkaminam-speaking Musqueam people at and around the University of British Columbia. Episode 7, STEM Retention. Welcome to The Torchbearers. Today we're looking at STEM retention among first-generation and low-income students. STEM stands for science, technology, engineering, and math, and a STEM student is any student studying any of these disciplines. The reason we wanted to take a deeper look at first-generation STEM students, rather than those pursuing arts or humanities degrees, is due to the additional pressures and workload often associated with STEM programs. Traditionally, more than arts and humanities degrees, these programs are often more likely to require late-night studying sessions, weekends spent on homework and exam preparation, and like many programs now, grad school or other additional programs. These extra demands are why STEM student retention is a topic of particular concern, especially as it applies to first-generation students. As balance is something we traditionally focus on in the Torchbearers, we want to look at the ways in which first-generation and low-income students in STEM programs often face additional barriers, including but not limited to financial wellness, finding time to maintain social lives and mental health, and for some, financially supporting families at home. This week I sat down with Amrit, who studies physics here at UBC, to hear about his own experience as a STEM student. I'll let him introduce himself. I'm Amrit. I come from Bangladesh, and I'm studying in UBC as the International Leader of Tomorrow Scholar in third year in physics, and I identify as a low-income student. And the scholarship has helped me navigate my path to UBC, and it has been a real great support. And I'm excited to be here pursuing what I love to do, that's physics. So, and I'm excited to talk to you about today. We sat down in the studio to talk about his own journey as a UBC student, the barriers and triumphs he has experienced in his program, and of course, physics. I have always been a very curious person, and I wanted to understand how the world works around you, how the universe works around you. And I think physics is a very fundamental understanding that we have of our surroundings. And I think it's just that pursuit of knowledge and being able to use that knowledge to create the biggest change that you can make. Not only did he give a pretty compelling reason for why he's studying physics, but he also took some time to discuss what, specifically, he's interested in studying. So in physics, I'm really interested in uh, studying about condensed matter physics. So that's like, let's say the physics of how your batteries work, right? Or let's say making superconductors, like that would make electronics more efficient and you can have build stuff like hyperloops and... uh, better particle accelerators or better MRI machines, right? Or even, um, so it's basically the physics of everything material around you. And uh, and there is also another field of physics that I'm really interested in. It's uh, about quantum information. So 
it has big applications in cryptography, how data is managed, and uh, also there's this new wave of quantum computing coming around. So towards that as well, also there are like similar mechanisms that go in, in the framework of neural networks and deep learning and AI, right? So these are all in kind of interconnected fields and I wish to explore, but I'm not, I haven't really decided on which field. Amrit was fortunate in the way he came into university, knowing what he was interested in pursuing and having both the freedom and foresight to pursue it immediately. His excitement about physics, which you will hear throughout our conversation, also helps. Nonetheless, he acknowledges the difficulty that first-generation students often face in determining an academic and career path, given their parents are often unable to provide guidance from their own experiences, a difficulty he himself experienced. Uh, so I think one of the main challenges I faced, like initially, was guidance. So I think it's also the case with first-generation students as well, that because my parents have never been to, have never lived in a country outside of Bangladesh, right? So you do not have the guidance from your parents or like your family in general, mm -hmm. right? Of how to approach different things, like what you should pay more importance to in life and like how should you approach about choosing your career and the field you want to go in. Right? Though we know how he came to pursue physics, I wanted to know what made Amrit choose UBC. I applied to a lot of schools in US, right? But I actually got accepted to a couple as well. But they they gave me financial aid, but it was not quite enough, right? And uh, also I couldn't even apply to a lot of schools because they only have financial aid for domestic students. Mm -hmm. and And that also kind of restricts where you can apply in the world as well. Because generally, North America provides more support to low-income students, and they take they take more of a need-blind approach. That how much you're requesting for financial aid doesn't really impact your chances of getting in. But it's not the same case elsewhere. Right. So, yeah. Actually, I think the most significant part of it was the financial support I received from UBC. The scholarship because my parents wouldn't be able to afford uh, education outside like in North America or Europe if they had to pay for the whole tuition and my living expenses right and um, and I always because I wanted to study physics or like in similar fields and I wanted to engage in research and basically get exposed to technology that's been that's being developed around the world so I wanted to come out of Bangladesh to get this broader perspective and having this exposure. So getting this financial support from UBC was, I think, the deciding factor. And obviously Vancouver is so beautiful, yeah. right? Yeah. So that too. As he said, Amrit was only able to attend UBC, or any school outside of Bangladesh, that is, due to a scholarship. Specifically, it was the International Leaders of Tomorrow Scholarship a need and merit-based award offered by UBC. As stated on the UBC website, the award recognizes international undergraduate students who demonstrate superior academic achievement, leadership skills, involvement in student affairs and community service, 
and recognized achievement in other key areas. What we want to focus on in this episode isn't the idea that STEM courses are uniquely challenging, or that STEM students are unique in having difficult experiences at UBC, but instead acknowledge that the difficulty of STEM programs is multiplied tenfold when looking at the additional barriers often experienced by first-generation students. So personally, I didn't feel out of place in physics because I had this vision from beforehand and I wanted to work towards that vision. Um, but I have had friends, definitely, who have felt that, who, who do come from like low-income or first-generation backgrounds. right? Because, first of all, um, it's harder to understand the significance of what a STEM degree can actually do for you. Right, and the opportunities it presents to you in the long run. If you do not have proper guidance or if you do not have proper exposure from beforehand. So, and because it gets so difficult, right, it's, I think STEM fields are most of the times more demanding from the students. So it's also harder to manage your responsibilities with your courses and what you have to do. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a quick break. After, we're going to hear more from Amrit about the unique pressures he faced as a first-generation STEM student. If you're a science student with a medical issue or any other personal problem, UBC Science Advising is there for you. Science Advising exists to advocate for students and help them deal with extraordinary circumstances. It can also help you with general inquiries like applying for a minor, taking a term off, faculty-level requirements, taking summer courses, determining if you're eligible to graduate, and more, from 9 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. or online at science.ubc.ca. Welcome back to The Torchbearers. We're continuing our exploration of STEM retention among first-generation students. I want to start by looking at some of the statistics that define this conversation, and then hear more from Amrit around a particularly challenging season as a student. The 2013 U.S. Department of Education study by Shang Li Chen and Matthew Soldner found that 48% of bachelor's degree students and 69% of associate's degree students who entered STEM fields between 2003 and 2009 had left these fields by spring of 2009. They note that these rates are comparable across other non-STEM fields, highlighting this as an issue that is not unique to STEM education. A key finding relevant to our focus, however, is the fact that proportionately more students whose parents had only a high school education or less left STEM fields by dropping out of college than their counterparts, whose parents earned a bachelor's or higher degree. Amongst the other group of what the study calls STEM leavers, which are students who simply switch university programs rather than completely dropping out, no measurable difference was found in regards to parental education. To summarize, first-generation STEM students are disproportionately likely to entirely drop out of university. The reasons for potentially dropping out of university are multifold, and of course, university may simply not be the ideal path for everyone, but we want to look at what UBC does to encourage STEM students to remain in their studies, how the university supports them, and what more the university can do. 
I faced some significant health issues as well. Right, so um, I had a surgery, and it was right in the middle of my second year finals. And as a result, I had to defer all of my final exams. And I had to sit for them in the next summer, but I also had a wonderful co-op opportunity. And I didn't want to miss um, on that opportunity because I was particularly very interested about the topic, but also because it was a source of income for me, mm -hmm. right? So, um, and I think it's necessary to think of the future, like, because right now I'm being supported by the scholarship, which I'm really grateful for. And it gives me some leverage and, like, so not leverage. It gives me some padding, s something that I can fall back on in terms of financial support. But, like, when you graduate, right, you're out in the world, you need to have some savings and some money in your bank. So even though it was really hard for me working a full-time job, sitting for four exams, mm -hmm. right, that you didn't do classes for in the last four months, uh, and then another exam eight months later, but I still had to make the choice, like work a bit harder. Yeah. And I think that's also something um, the community and the university itself should be more proactive in recognizing is that there are some students who are not at the same footing and there are some students who might have to work harder like outside of class so they might not be able to dedicate as much time to studies, mm. right? And and it really actually impacts you because when you're having to be a responsibility of like, let's say your family or also um, yourself and work at the same time and go to school, I think it definitely has an impact on how well you perform in your courses. And then when you're applying for different positions and like, or different, you're, you're trying to get make advantage of different opportunities. I think your grades alone do not always reflect the whole picture. Mm -mm. So I think it's important to take a holistic view of what the situation of that individual person is rather than just looking at people as numbers. Mm -hmm. yeah. His anecdote is particularly helpful in highlighting the convergence of various responsibilities and barriers students face. In addition to managing their own course load, studying, assignments, exams, they have to manage their own finances. For low-income students, this is incredibly important. Add in extraordinary circumstances like health crises, unique job opportunities, and more, things can quickly become overwhelming. I think what happens is, because you're juggling with all this work, and you're not able to really have this vision of what going in a particular field in STEM would mean for you, and what the opportunities you'll have in the long term in terms of like better life or being able to pursue your passion in general and doing what you love. Right? Uh, a lot of people drop out in the end. And um, I think what would really help is to have more opportunities for this like low income or like first generation or people who in general lack guidance, right? To have more support for the students. I know like the international student population and uh, even like there's a lot of uh, like domestic low-income students as well who come into UBC. 
and the student population has grown, exploded in UBC in the last decade or so, but the supports have not ramped up in scale. And so you would often see the like science advising or like the academic advising like scrambling to give support, right? So I think more emphasis should be put on ensuring that students have the necessary support that they require. And so personally for me, I think what helped me to build that vision was uh, I got active in my first year. I had some, um, I did a project with a grad student and then I had my co-op, which really opened my eyes as to where the world is going right now, how technology is shaping people's lives, right? How, how learning about science and technology can really be instrumental to not changing your own life, but to lift others around you as well by lifting yourself up, right? So I think it's necessary to give people that exposure. And then I think it makes people, it makes it easier for people to decide, like make informed decisions whether they should actually stay in STEM or give prioritize other aspects of their life or move to a different field. Like most of the issues we focus on, there is no magic solution. Like these problems, the solutions must be adaptable and meet different students with different needs wherever they are at. Whether it be increased guidance helping students find the academic and career path that best fits their interests and skills, increased support in dealing with extraordinary circumstances like Amrit described, or even resources that can help students find a balance to their schedules, much remains to be done in ensuring that STEM students who are first-generation and or low-income have the support needed to complete their programs. Working to increase STEM retention is a process, and as Amrit shared, some institutions are already in place. I would like to mention that uh, UBC Microbiology has this uh, mentorship program. It's called Mike Gold Scholarship, and it gives it provides mentorship to first-generation university students in navigating through university and academic life and towards success. Um, I think having more of this in different departments and providing that academic support um, and also being aware, just generally being aware, like the f- like probably even training the faculties to be aware of the different backgrounds and the different situations that the student come from and how to deal with this. And I think in that regard, one of the greatest support I have received in deciding whether to go forward or not, because I definitely had doubts along the way, right, was uh, talking to my profs. Right? And I think profs are generally very supportive if you go talk to them. right? And actually one of my profs in uh, Physics 200 was also a first-generation university student, and he mentioned it in his first class. And uh, it was kind of inspiring to see that someone can rise up to such success coming from like such backgrounds. And I think it not only inspires you, but it also kind of humanizes them. And also, um, and also, I think you can connect with your profs more, right? And. Uh, Also, I think it encourages people, like, even if you are f- 
suffering from imposter syndrome or like you really don't feel you belong there i think it encourages you to confront those feelings and like come forward with it it because it kind of normalizes that like seeing a prof putting it out like that and i think in generally you can have like information uh, campaigns like that it's okay to not be in the same footing but it's a challenge you can take up the challenge you can everyone can succeed right and um i think that's a generally a very positive aspect of this society as well that um if you actually put in the effort and you talk to people you network right um and you're really passionate about what you want to do you have the drive you can succeed right so you might have a lot of obstacles but there is always a ladder to climb over that this has been the torchbearers The Torchbearers is produced by the First Generation Student Union at UBC and me, Alec Christensen, and is directed by Zara Fazal. The podcast is funded by the 2019 UBC Equity Enhancement Fund. If you're curious to learn more about the First Generation experience, consider getting involved with the FGSU Club and stay updated with all that we do by following us on Facebook. You can find us by searching at UBC FGSU. To hear more stories from first generation and low-income students, Subscribe to The Torchbearers on SoundCloud and Spotify. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and a review to help us grow. And join us next time when we talk about life after graduation. <laughs>